Welcome into another episode of the Ots and Audibles. We are joined today by a very special guest. This will be a solo podcast. You will not be hearing Matt Prem's voice today, but we will be hearing Kelly Graves' voice, the head coach of the Oregon women's basketball team. Kelly, thanks for joining us today. I know you're uh, in a really beautiful part of the state of Oregon. Uh, good, to, good that you uh, give us some time today. Oh, Eric, my pleasure. Always good to be with you. Yeah, well, I wanted to start like kind of non-Oregon for a second. That may seem strange on an Oregon podcast. We'll circle this around. But I, I wanted to know what it was like traveling from San Antonio to Indianapolis and then being at the Final Four for your son Will's games. Obviously, you're, he's on the Gonzaga men's basketball team as a guard. Uh, you obviously spent some time in Spokane, have some ties to that program. What was, first off, like logistically, was that a challenge and I know we probably haven't been doing as much traveling as we're used to but was it difficult with COVID to, to go from you know Eugene to San Antonio to Indianapolis over the course of a week or two well the whole three weeks of the NCAA tournament was exhausting yeah I mean it wasn't your typical tournament obviously uh the bubble aspect was uh, was unique but I think it was a real challenge because we weren't really able to do anything they you know uh our bubble in San Antonio was a lot more lenient than the bubble in Indianapolis hmm. we were at least allowed to go outside and there was about a quarter mile along a road that we could walk <laughs> so uh, I'm a big walker and especially on game day and so I was at least allowed to do that men's on the men's side they weren't allowed to leave their hotel not even their floor so that part was just uh, really difficult and, and I know in in San Antonio you know we could go down to our team room on one of the lower floors but you always had to, to move as a team, as a unit. When we went to practice and went to get tested every day, we got tested every day. And it was about a, almost a half a mile walk each way. And so, but the kids enjoyed that because it was actually their opportunity to get out. Yeah. So, you know, so it was difficult for that first 10, 12 days, whatever I was in the San Antonio bubble. And then when we lost, uh, the team went home. I flew directly to Indianapolis, and uh, there, of course, I had a lot more freedom because I wasn't inside of a bubble. But at the same time, you still had to take care of business. But uh, um, 21 days, 21 straight days in a hotel room. And, you know, for those that have ever had to do something like that or close to it, you know how exhausting and uh, that is. You know, I just – you can never really get comfortable, and it's just – it's not it's not fun. So, uh but it was great to be in Indianapolis. Awesome to watch my son's team. I got to see the Elite Eight game and then both Final Four games. So uh, even though I had no contact with him other than on the phone, um, that was uh, still pretty cool. And the whole family got to enjoy in that. I was going to ask you, like, I, I, because of the, the protocols in place, what was the – did you get a wave to him at least? Did you, like, at least see that? Yeah. He, did you guys – he knew you were there, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> One day, one day before the Elite Eight, or excuse me, after the Elite Eight, before the Final Four, uh, they allowed the teams, there was a baseball park, kitty corner from the team hotel. Okay. And they allowed them uh, like out one time a day to kind of go play, uh, you know, in the ballpark, just walk around, throw Frisbees, you know, footballs, whatever. And on one of those occasions, they allowed us to see them. It was from a distance. We were behind a chain link fence. I mean, it was almost like we were at the zoo, you know, waving and, and talking to them or in prison where, you know, you have to do it from a distance. 
Um, their bubble was was crazy. The the hotel was barricaded. There's like one square block uh, with uh, with you know riot style barricades, and then there were policemen on every corner, twenty four seven, and then two in the middle as well. So even if you tried to cross the street, you know uh, they would they would get on their uh, little intercom and say, ah, "Hey, you got to cross the street here." And they wouldn't let you walk by the hotel, so it was pretty strict. Yeah, and 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 but, but Eric, we did get to see them though after their last game. Um, all of the, all the family uh, of all the coaches and players and managers, all their families were able to see him at the end, and that was like a big celebration in one of the convention center halls. Well, that, that's great. And obviously you wish you were celebrating a national championship that I was thinking here, man, you, the Graves family has been so close to a couple of titles the last couple of years with, with yourself and the women's team. And I don't know, but in the next couple of years, one of you guys is going to hoist a banner and it'll be great for, for the Graves family. I'm sure you're, you're all kind of hope. I mean, I just, I, you know, I went to Gonzaga, we know, you know this, and uh, it's been a tough four or five years here with just how close they've gotten. And then for you with how close you guys have gotten with the women's program, but just right on the, on the doorstep. Just a couple hours before this, we had press, and uh, we, we we talked about a lot of things. And I, so I just wanted to kind of relay that to those listening. I'm going to re, kind of re, be uh, reflecting on some things you said earlier in a, in a press event that's not related to this. But one of the things I thought was interesting that you said, and just to kind of jump into this last season, was just the self-evaluation part. I think it was Jerry Thompson asked you just kind of what are some things you learned about maybe you would have done a little differently this last year and I, I thought I found it interesting just how kind of upfront you were about maybe being a little bit different with some of the rotations with maybe playing a little bit tighter rotation playing some younger players how, how difficult was it to and I know we talked about this in press interviews throughout the season but how difficult it really was to to get a feel for anything because you guys you guys had pauses because of COVID you had injuries COVID related not COVID related you had all sorts of obstacles how difficult was it really just to get a feel for what's your best six to eight was. And I know you don't want to say it's a silver lining, but having some players out for the NCAA tournament at least kind of forced your hand to, to play with, you know, seven to eight core players because you didn't have anyone else to go to, right? Yeah, this was the most challenging season I, I've really ever had as a coach. I mean, it's, it's one thing when I haven't had great teams, you know, the talent hasn't been there. And that's really only ever been my first year at whatever school I'm at. Right. Where you're just trying to find a way to win and be competitive. This year was different. It was injuries. It was obviously the pandemic. It was uh, the the really the lack of separation from a lot of our talent. And so, yeah, I tried to play, uh, you know, more players. And that that's that's never easy. And we didn't have as long a year for it to work itself out, which, you know, it usually does. Uh, it just never happened this year. And so the bottom line is, Eric, I, I tried to, to keep everybody happy by, you know, playing here and playing there. And then what happens is nobody's happy. Right. Uh, and, um, and so it was, a, it was a real challenge. But I'm a loyal guy. You know, I went with uh, some of our returners and, and really gave them a shot because I believed in them. And, and um, in the end, you know, it just – it didn't work. And so – um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I think you have to self-reflect. I could have done a better job. I mean, coaches aren't robots. I think a lot of people out there think, well, we're just, you know, we're not like players. You, you, you know, you guys got to be the same every game. Well, we have, 
you know, good seasons and bad seasons and good games and bad games. And, you know, I did some things that I should probably do better uh, and, and build on. And I, and you just chronicled a couple of them, you know, uh, stick with a tighter rotation. Uh, my, my coach used to call it no hope. Don't give them any hope. Those that aren't uh, going to play as much, but um, that's just not in my nature. And, um, you know, and then we never really decided on a, on a style that fit us. You know, I came into the season thinking, well, this is how we want to play. This is what we've done. This is what's made us arguably the greatest offense in the history of the NCAA. Uh, and the, the personnel didn't quite fit. And the honest truth is, Eric, I didn't have a time to, to work with them in the summer and even in the fall and, and either help them fit how we wanted to play or had enough time to realize this just isn't going to work. And so we were here and we were there and a little bit of everywhere. And, um, you know, are we going to go big? Are we going to go small? The analytics actually showed that we were better with Bowley at the four. Hmm. more of a spread offense but I thought ultimately for us to win in the NCA double bigs the way to go that then you move Bowley to a three and she's not really a ball screen or a, a creator at the three and she's you know she can still stretch the defense but it's not the same so it there was a lot of moving parts and so that's why to my to the my team's credit man I I'm really proud of them and they, they hung in there till the end, and, and we, we were fortunate to win some games. But it was not easy, buddy. It was a challenge. When did you start learning? I know one because another one of the things you said I thought was interesting is you, I think at one point you just kind of said, I didn't know what I had exactly in terms of just the players, in terms of how they would fit into certain offenses and stuff. When did you start, uh, or maybe the answer is you didn't, but when did you start kind of learning some of these lessons of like, okay, if I play, and I'm not even going to use examples because you'll probably tell me that they're inaccurate, but just like, this combination of players works well when we're trying to do X, Y, or Z. I mean, like, did, did it really come down to the NCAA tournament when you kind of started finding some of that? Or, or, or were those answers just never something you really completely came to? Because I, I imagine, and you've, as, as you chronicled as well earlier today, just the, how difficult it was even in practice to kind of get a feel for everybody and how it was a limited offseason. And then you bring in all these new parts and almost no, you know, over half the roster is new. Um, the challenges were, were pretty immense. I mean, was there a point where you kind of – start you know I guess feeling like you guys kind of had figured some of that out yeah I think towards the end and unfortunately at that point we'd lost pow pow for the season you know listen we we would have been playing maybe another couple of games if pow pow's healthy during the NCAA tournament because I really thought we started to get it and as much as anything Eric it wasn't offensively necessarily I thought defensively we started to figure it out late we played a lot more zone so when we went big and you've got Sedona there in the middle protecting the rim and, and Niara, who's a long wing outside, and Aaron Bowley. So you run in a 2-3 zone, and, and teams are struggling to, to score on you. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think it offensively, you know, it started to click, but just as important defensively. But it was a work in progress, seriously, all year. Of all the years to have a young team, this was the worst, the, the pandemic year. And not only did we have seven players who had never played a college game, we had nine new players. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a hard thing to get them going. I, I, I wish we would have continued to play, uh, you know, after we did, because I think you'd have seen a different team. That's why I'm excited about this year's group. 
because now they have some NCAA experience. That's three games under their belt. And I know sometimes our uh, Duck fans, you know, get a little bit spoiled, but they need to remember until Sabrina arrived on campus in 2017, the Duck women had never even been to one Sweet 16, not once. And, uh, and so I know a lot of them feel that this was a disappointing year. <laughs> so, you know, I take it all with kind of a grain of salt. And, um, but uh, I'm, I'm happy about it. I, I think we've got the makings of a, a good unit. And now that we have an off season to work out together, I, I think you're going to see a, a much different product on the court next year. Yeah, from a continuity perspective, it really couldn't be more different than it was last year where you guys lost so much and you had to bring in so much. This year, as of recording right now, only two new players set to join the team, a couple of true freshmen. In, uh, Taylor. We call them true freshmen. It's crazy. The season ended like 10 days ago. I'm already calling them freshmen. Incoming freshmen, Taylor Bigby um, and Filipina Che. Um, a couple of really highly regarded and exciting prospects. But the core of the skeleton is already in place, and they just spent a year playing together. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about a second ago that I think it'll be interesting to see is, is now kind of how does this look a little condensed with a little bit tighter roster with the rotations of maybe five guards and four, four bigs and a couple other pieces you might add here or there. But you said something I thought was interesting today as well about, and, and I think in reflecting, I think it was true thinking back to your Gonzaga days and your Oregon days of just how you typically have had smaller rosters. And this year you carried a couple more players and you tried to play them. Did you, do you envision this upcoming season being a year where that rotation stays kind of smaller and, and tighter, or, or are you open again to, to playing 10 to, to maybe all 11 of the players you have in line to, to be on next year's team? Uh, well, right now I'm, I'm planning on carrying 11 on the roster. So, uh, you know, as opposed to 13, we lost two players to graduation. We signed two players. Uh, and then now we lost a couple to transfer. So I'm not going to fill those transfer spots just to fill them. I like what I've got. If you look at just the rotation by position, so you go with the one, two, and three spot. Okay, we have five really good guards and then a sixth in Angela Duglich who could swing between the three and the four. But those five guards, you've got Taylor Mikesell, who's an all-conference potential kid. You've got Tahina Palpal, who was all-conference. Sydney Parrish who I thought really played well down the stretch. Maddie Shear uh, had a, you know, she was huge down, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament and proved to be, uh, you know, really an elite defender. And then Taylor Bigby, our incoming freshman, who is long, athletic, can, can play downhill and, and can attack the basket. So there's five really good guards plus Angela. And then you look at the inside presence for those two positions. You've got Sedona. You've got Niara. Those are two pros. Those are, those are going to be two first-round draft picks, okay? And then you've got uh, Angela Duglitz, you've got Kylie Watson, and then you mentioned Filipina Che, uh, as well as then Ariel Wilson. Ari's still a ways from being able to help us on the, on the court, but she's a great teammate. So, you're, you know, we still have good depth. There'll still be a real battle. Um, and, but usually, you know, with a smaller roster, everybody feels engaged because most of the time they know, hey, I'm going to play tonight, I'm going to have some kind of a role, whereas – when you carry 13 and you're trying to get that many in, it just – no, the continuity suffered. So, um, yeah, so I think I'm – hey, people forget our final four team in 19, we had 10 players on the roster, and one of those is Niara Savali, who had torn her ACL in the summer before the season. So we went through that whole year with nine players, and, uh, and we seemed to do just fine. 
think one of the big things we saw late, we talked about a little bit, was just Maddie's you know, evolution as a ball handler. We, we kind of already knew her perimeter defensive skills, but offensively it seemed like she got comfortable. Maybe not scoring, but setting people up. I think of um, you know, the second round game, some of the passes she made to, to set up, I think, Sedona and, and Yara late were really impressive and, and, and big plays. Do you think you could see Maddie and Tahina playing? Like, do those two fit together on the court as like, I don't even want to say starters, but players that can play, complement each other well enough? I mean, because I would think those two right there, you have two capable ball handlers, two good defensive players. Well, you throw in Taylor Bigby. Now you're talking about three really good defensive guards. Um, you get excited about thinking about what Tahina and Maddie could, could kind of look like as a one-two backcourt for the, for the years to come. And obviously Taylor Mikesell's here, so I'm not trying to step on her, her shoes at all because, as you said, she's a great player. But um, these two young players, I thought just the idea of what they could be gets pretty exciting, in part because we didn't see them play that much this last year together. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 you know, the great thing about Maddie, well, and Tahina for that matter, is they complement anybody. You know, Tahina can be just a facilitator or she can score. Uh, you know, Maddie, great defender. And if, let's say, you go with a Maddie and a Tahina, whatever, some level, right. you know, it allows Maddie to guard the opposing team's best guard. Let's say an Ari McDonald, you know. Uh, and, and then Tahina doesn't have to expend so much energy on the defensive end. You know, kind of leave that to Maddie. And so it's, uh, yeah, it gives you a lot of options. I think Maddie's capable of scoring, too. She did it in high school. Great passer. She'd al- she's always been a a very unselfish player and a great passer and obviously good defender. Now we just got to get her confident in her, her ability to score and she's capable. She just hasn't been asked to do it. And now we have an off season to really work on it and work on that confidence. But yeah, we're going to have some options in the backcourt. We can go long and athletic and really defensive minded, uh, or we can uh, put a bunch of uh, kids that can shoot it out there. You know, that's one of the reasons Eric this last year, we struggled a little bit and I would change the lineup. You know, there for a while, Pow Pow was really struggling, and so was Taylor, Mike Sell, uh, defensively. Uh, and so that's when we would opt to put, you know, I think for a few games, we, I, I started Taylor Chavez instead of Taylor Mike Sell, because for that very reason, at least Taylor Chavez, we felt, you know, could maybe take the elite uh, offensive player from the other team and, and take that off Pow Pow's plate. So we were trying, man. <laughs> Every game, it seemed like we were trying for a different reason. Uh, but I think next year with, with this offseason, I think we'll be able to really hone in on different groups that can play in different ways and then just settle in on a rotation. I was just one last hypothetical lineup here I was thinking about was just how big you guys could go in theory. You talked about Dugalich having the versatility to be a two or a three. You could, I could see a lineup where you'd have, you know, I don't know whoever's at the points at the point, but Sydney Parrish at six one, six two at the two, and Dugalich at six four at the three, and then your six five, six seven Sabali and Prince up front, and that would be a big lineup that would, I, I don't think, give up that much defensively on the perimeter with just some of the athleticism, especially maybe you put a Taylor Bigby out there is in place of somebody just because she's a little bit more quick, but. I, I, the size that you guys can possess, I think, is really exciting. And, and stylistically, as you said, you could play this a lot of different ways. You're probably pretty excited just about the possibility. I think, could you could you see a scenario where you go that big? Is that or is that kind of crazy to sure. think that you that big? Yeah. No, sure. And and you know, I'm glad you mentioned Sydney. I, Sydney's actually a really good defender, a very good team defender, and she gets a hand on a lot of balls because of her length and. Uh, so, yeah, I think she's capable of, of defending that two spot, just using our length. With a lineup like that, you might see some zone, 
you know, uh, right. it, because you could be really active. You could trap out of it. You know, the corners would be vulnerable in terms of, you know, we get you into the corner, we can trap you with a 6'4 and a 6'2 kid. Uh, and, and then you've got that rim protector. So, yeah, it, I, I think that's definitely a lineup that we could see. Um, Dugalich, I'll tell you, uh, once she figures it out defensively, you know, and, and the, with a team defense, I'm telling you, she is really good. In fact, she's already gone, Eric. She's, uh, uh, she left to go to Serbia. She'll be training with the, the senior national team for the rest of the summer. She has a shot uh, to make that team, and they qualified for the Olympics. So wow. she could be in the Olympics. But, yeah, she's, she's gone for the rest of the spring and most of the summer. You mentioned uh, as well on the interview, you guys are going to start doing some workouts again sometime, I think you said next week. Uh, yeah. you, you sense kind of the energy and excitement around that. And I know you said how difficult this last season was, and I'm sure reaching an off season where things are hopefully going to get quote unquote back to normal, close to normal. Um, you, you sense that everyone's just kind of chomping at the bit to, to get going. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this was a nice break for them. They, they earned it, you know, after the crazy season that we had. Uh, you know, so it was good for them to get away. Now they're going to get back and we're going to be able to work out with them about a month and a half. And I, this, this is a time they can make real great strides. I don't know how much team stuff we'll do, uh, but certainly just individual workouts. And, and then most importantly, perhaps Eric, and, and you know, you, you've been in Oregon, you know what I'm talking about. They have a chance to explore, Yeah. you know, go spend the weekend uh, on the Oregon coast or just the day for that matter. Go to all the different places that make Oregon special and, and spend some time together. We never got to do that. You know, I always bring my team up here to Black Butte every year. We have a, re a weekend retreat. It's one of the, our favorite things to do. We couldn't do that last year. Well, hopefully we can do that maybe this summer. And everybody gets to, you know, let their hair down a little bit, have fun, just get to know each other. And, you know, those kind of things cannot be lost on, uh, on, on building team chemistry. We just were never able to do that. We still, to this day, since this time last year, okay, had a team mill together in mm. the arena. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Or, or at Beppe's for pregame meal or, you know, whatever the case may be just hasn't happened. And so those are the little things that I think are almost as important as the, the, the working out. In past years, and I, I don't even know what the logistics of this are, but going overseas, doing overseas tour thing, is that something that uh, maybe not this year, but the next year? I mean, like, is that something I'm, I'm assuming once it's cleared, you'll jump at the opportunity to do that just to get everybody together and, and do something like that. Is that something that's even on, is that even on the radar or is that just too, too big to tackle right now? Uh, no, it's, it's on the radar. In fact, uh, we were scheduled to go to Italy last summer. Right. And obviously that was canceled. Um, we, uh, we're not going to do it again this summer because, you know, that was the country we wanted to go to. We were going to spend part of the turn, uh, part of the tour in Berlin as well. I always like to, to get our players home at some point. That was our chance to get uh, Niara home, but uh, we're not going to do that this summer either. And we'll have to table it until next year, unfortunately. But uh, that, those are always great. We went the summer before Sabrina and Ruth and all those guys uh, started their freshman year. And, and we went to Spain and I thought that really helped, you know, the, the 10 practices you're allowed, 
And then obviously all the team bonding and we played, I think, four games on the trip. That was a huge bonus for a team then that had seven freshmen. So, um, yeah, you know, it'd be better to do it this summer because, you know, I think our team could use it. But mm, you get, you know, this pandemic still still around. Last couple here for your coach. Um, I, yeah, no worries. I, I guess what's like a strange – because you've talked about like kind of just how the COVID-19 and the pandemic has kind of thrown everything off a little bit. Things are different. Are there obviously the fans and myself and those who aren't embedded with your program and around you guys day to day don't know exactly what that looks like. Are there things that you think maybe myself and those listening maybe aren't aware of that were really strange for this, this past season and, and, and camp in terms of things you couldn't do or things that you had to change and what the, you know, when you had to make that alteration that things were just kind of off or, or is all that kind of out there already? I just am curious because I, I imagine this is going to be one of those things, the further we get away from the pandemic, and again, we're not that far away, we're still in the midst of it, but the further time kind of moves past us a little bit here, some of these stories are going to come out. I was just curious if there's anything that really kind of sticks out um, from, from this experience that was just, just sort of strange or, or, or difficult in particular. Well, a couple of things. I think number one, our freshmen and you know, and all the the other two new players as well. So seven newcomers, they don't know Oregon at all. They, they, you know, in fact, Angela, you know, joked with me one day, I asked, you know, hey, have you gone over to this building or whatever? She goes, no, I've never been to the other side of campus. Not one time. She'd never walked through campus and it, and it was after the season. Uh, and we have a few players like that. So they, they don't even know the campus. It's crazy to think they've been there for a year. And you know what great spirit Oregon has. So, right. and that's why I'm, I, I just feel so badly for them. They didn't get to experience really the true spirit of, of the University of Oregon. Uh, secondly, Eric, just the testing, just the daily testing. If you've had an antigen test or a PCR, you know what I'm talking about. It's not pleasant. And they get up and they do it every single day. And, uh, you know, in college, let's face it, you and I, we, we scheduled our first class at 11 or 12, you know, so we could sleep into 10 or 11. And, uh, you know, and then we'd go to class and go to practice or, or whatever. Well, they're scheduled for early morning testing every day. And so they have to get up, walk over, you know, or leave their apartments or whatever and come over, get tested, go back home, you know, every day. And that's not easy. Just think about it. Other than brushing your teeth, I mean, what else are you doing every single day that you like, have to do? You could maybe not do it, but. Uh, I mean, I don't brush my teeth some days, too. So, I mean, that's. Yeah. Not... <laughs> I figured you were going to say something. I was going to say something like brush your, comb your hair. But yeah. That doesn't, uh, doesn't work in my case. But uh, it, it's just, it was a really unique and I think um, it just shows how disciplined these student athletes are. They, they, they truly have a lot of discipline that to, to be able to do that, to, to want to play so badly that, you know, those are the kind of things. Uh, it, that thing stung my nose every single time. I would, I would sneeze every single time I'd put that thing up there. I thought I'd get used to it. You don't. <laughs> you don't. 
I just, I guess I just wonder in closing how you guys can learn from this experience. And obviously it sounds like there's a lot of team bonding that needs to take place. There's a lot of, you know, players need to kind of get to know each other a little bit differently. And, and but like, are there other ways that I don't want to, I don't want to frame it like it's going to be a positive somehow. And there's like a silver lining to all this because this stinks for a variety of reasons. A lot of them bigger than basketball, but like, is, is there a way that the difficulty of this last season is something that you can maybe point to when times get difficult in the future? And, 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 and do you maybe already see some of, some of that kind of diff, you know, toughness and internal fortitude, I guess, as you would say, for, from your team kind of developing? Well, I sure hope so. I'm not sure yet I can anticipate what we'll learn from it. Uh, one of the lessons that I've always tried to preach is, you know, be in the moment, appreciate today because it's the only thing that you're promised, right? And, uh, and we saw that play out last year. You know, we left everything on the court every game, and thank goodness that we did, because then it was taken away from us. And if we had either not been our best or, or not given our best, you know, whatever the case may be there, uh, you know, we would have regrets. But, you know, you just, you, you've got to, to live in the moment and appreciate it, because you never know when it's gonna be taken away. And sometimes that's injuries, that's, that's other things, you know, family, deaths, you know, whatever. So I think live in the moment, rely on each other, love each other uh, best you can. I mean, you know, I always tell our team, you don't have to like each other, but you've got to love each other. You know, I sometimes don't like my brother and sister, right? I might be mad at them for something, but I still love them because they're my family. And I think the same thing goes for a basketball team. So hopefully going through this experience the way we did, I think will bring us to, you know, closer together. I'm, I'm sure hoping. And um, not that we weren't a close knit group, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. And I, again, I can't imagine exactly. I mean, I've been dealing with my own weird year, a weird year with the, the sports or so many other moving factors. My, my life, I just basically stay at home and sit in my sweatpants all day and talk to people like you. That's not that difficult. I think <laughs> For a lot of folks, this last year has been very difficult for a variety of reasons. So I just was interested in, in your perspective, and, and hopefully things get back to normal. And, and again, that this is something you can grow from. Man, we really miss those fans. Yeah. I mean, Eric, I'm telling you, you know, we're this close, man. I mean, we we play Stanford to a two-point game and a six- or a seven-point game. Um, you know, and that game at home, listen, we win that sucker if, if we've got 12,000 fans there. I mean, I'm convinced of that. We're one of the few programs that actually have a home court advantage that you can see and feel every single game. And uh, it'll be nice to have everybody back. And I hope that we all continue to take care of business, get vaccinated, okay, and uh, so that we're able to do that. I think the selfish people that, you know, aren't going to do that, you know, I think are going to hurt, hurt it for everybody. I'm in the process of getting vaccinated myself, coach. Hopefully that goes well. I'm not sure where you're at with that, but yeah, I think that's a good message to send people off on. Let's let's get past this thing. Let's get people back in, in Matthew Knight. I sure missed that. I, I, it was weird, just really quickly, my perspective before we send it off, but my perspective of sitting that far away and being able to hear the plays that you're calling and, and hear the, you know, when you're frustrated or not frustrated, hear when a player is frustrated or not frustrated, and just to be able to hear that stuff, it's not, it shouldn't be that way. There should be 12,000 people covering all that stuff up. So it was just really strange. So yeah, let's hope that we get back to that. And thanks again for, for joining us on the show today, coach. Really appreciate your time. Eric, always my pleasure, buddy. Good, good being with you. Take it easy. You as well. Talk to you later.